Welcome to Cattle Shake Podcast, episode 49. And before we get into today's episode, let me just tell you about the Camera Shake Podcast community that you can join. If you head over to our website, camerashakepodcast.com, click on the Join the Community button and join us. You will have lots of insights into what's going on behind the scenes. There'll be lots of new stuff and special stuff that we'll be putting out there. Now, that being said, today we have another special guest with us today is... German, New York City-based street photographer and Hasselblad Horan. We're going to have to find out what that is in a minute. Uh, please welcome Nina Welch-Kling. How are you, Nina? How's things? Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. All good. Cool. So you're, you're over in New York City at the moment. What time is it over there? It is 11, a little bit after 11. Cool. In the morning. Excellent. So do you... Um, I know you've... You, you came to, um, to New York originally to study architecture, is that right? I actually came to New York, well, I came to the U.S. to study fine art. I went to the School of the Art Institute in Chicago, and I got a Bachelor in Fine Arts, and then I actually went on and studied architecture, and I got a Master's in Architecture um, at UCLA, and then I got married, or long story, but then I came to New York. Cool. And you, you're still there. I'm still there. Your imagery really personifies New York City. I think that's the first impression that I had when I came across your, your Instagram profile, actually. Really, I don't know, three years ago, maybe, or something like that. That's, that's, that's how long I've been stalking you on Instagram. <laughs> I'm very flattered. <laughs> <laughs> So there's, there's, a thing, there's a thing about street photography, and I'll tell you a little bit in, in a minute about um, Nick and my attempts at street photography. Um, but there's, there's something very special um, about your, your street photography um, in the sense that your imagery is really, it's like it's so perfect in yeah. many ways. And immediately I'm thinking, like, how do you, how do you get these shots? What does it take? to be a street photographer in a city like New York City? That's a very good question. What is it? I mean, it takes going out a lot. I think, I mean, people always laugh. I say, you know what? You can only find a good shot if you go out and shoot. Like you really have to spend a lot of time going out shooting. But I, I actually love walking in the city. I love people watching. I love being out on the street. And it's, it's, I think when I started, it was very meditative to explore the city, to see where people are. And um, I think you really have to love people. I often end up talking to people, especially when they get angry at me. And then I kind of try to, you know, start conversations with them. And, um, and it's usually, rarely it becomes a problem for me. But um, yeah, going out. Like going out, loving, loving what you do. Do you find that you visit um, or try to visit different places every time you do go out with, with, with your camera? Or do you like to revisit the same places fairly regularly just to see how things have changed, how, you know, you get to know, when you really get to know an area, you can get start to pick out some you know, good spots, so to speak, things like that? I actually love going back to places I've visited. 
because I kind I, I know the light. I know how the people are moving. I know what time of the day I can find. The, a lot of my photography is about the light. And I always feel like that if it's not the right light, my photos are, they don't become magical. There's this, there's this special something that I always look for, and it usually is in the light. So I will say, if it's a very bright, sunny day, let me go, and I go midtown because I know around 2 o'clock, the sun comes through a certain way, and I know exactly how, how it'll hit, I mean, passenger, uh, passenger, like people that are walking by. But sometimes I feel, oh, I've seen it all. I've done it. I'm so bored. Let me just go into a totally different neighborhood. And then it's something, there's something exciting about being in a new environment, but it's not the same because you, there's so many things to pay attention to because then you have the people, you have the light, you have um, the kind of traffic flow. It, it just, I like to eliminate some of the unknowns when I go out, but that depends on my mood. And then I love, I mean, I love heavy rain. I love snow and I love fog. And of course, steam. But so that, if I see it's a foggy day, I'll be out really early. I, I could be out at 5 a.m. in the morning in the rain when the sun just kind of comes up and I'm, I'm out in the torrential rain where no steam pipe because the way the steam falls lower and it's just a different. So I do go back to places, but I like to, to um, find new places also. Mm, mm. Let's just say the first time you visit an, uh, a particular area was you know, two or three years ago, just for argument's sake, and you frequent that place, you know, every few months or every couple of weeks, whatever it might be. Do you do you find that you start not to be able to come up with, you know, a new shot for that area, or that um, you're actually it's the complete opposite? You're finding new and interesting ways to take photos in that particular like location. What, what goes through your mind as you're in a place that you've been in many times before? I think it's more the first that it's hard to find a fresh shot sometimes. Mm. Even so then in my head, I think, oh, I like this shot. And that was, the, it just is not the same. I guess for street photography, you have to have so many different things go, coming together because you have to have the light, the atmosphere, the people, and then something interesting has to happen. You know, somebody interesting has to walk into your frame. or um, So that makes it difficult. And so once I've had a shot where I felt like, you know, I kind of have that shot, it, it, sometimes I think it's like, I, I got to move on. Like you've done this. You, you need to find something different. But it gets, it gets harder and harder. One of the things that's, that I've always found really quite challenging, when it, especially when it comes to street photography, is it's that thing, you know, you, you typically, especially as a sort of a relative beginner as street photography, you always, you tend to find like you walk around, you see something that catches your interest, you know, you, you take a, you, you take a shot and then you're immediately sort of onto the next thing. And then what I've noticed is with people who are really quite experienced is there's a certain amount of patience you need when you find the right spot and you just you know, you just basically position yourself and you wait. Do you do that? Do you like, do you find a, like a particular space maybe where the light comes in and there's the right amount of shadow or whatever? And you kind of just, you just think, well, I'm going to stay here until something happens. That happens quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, often I will kind of, my eyes drawn to a, some kind of um, light configuration, some triangle on a building. 
And I look how the people will walk through. Is it going to be a silhouette? Is it kind of a rim light? What, you know, what's happening? But then I might stand there for 10 minutes and yeah, you need patience. And I'm a very, I, I could stand there for 20 minutes or longer. But usually what happens is somebody walks by and you kind of miss them. And then I will run after them. And I ran after people for 20 minutes, following, stalking them in, in a very strange job. Um, so it's kind of this back and forth where I find a spot and then it's like, oh my God, this person, but I need them in a light. And, and so I will, I mean, the one shot where, the, I don't know if you, the balloon shot where the light just kind of transforms the entire um, scene because it, it, they're translucent and they're... I followed this person for 20 minutes. Oh, wow. Okay. Until he delivered the shot. So people, it's not one shot. It's a whole sequence of following this person and kind of in your head. There were two things I liked, two things that I wanted. And one was I wanted the balloons in both hands so it looks like wings. So that was one, but I usually want them isolated so I had to somehow find a way to visually just declutter it because there's a lot of people on the street usually. Do you sometimes um, wow. stop somebody and get them to pose for you in the street or do you um, deliberately not do that? I rarely do because then they're kind of, they smile and they're happy and I'm not saying I don't want happy people. <laughs> <laughs> But my, my photos are really not about the people that much. But if I stop them and talk to them and then, oh, you can take my photo, I, I kind of let them, I will take a few photos and then let them talk or something else has to happen. But I will, I will stop. Mm. Most of the times it's more passing by. Sometimes what I do is if I um, stop them for a long time, more than it's normal, I will say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm a street photographer. I, I, you know, thank you for being so patient. I'm sure you've seen me take your photos. I hope you're okay with it. And usually it's like, yeah, it's fine. I mean, New York people are fine. But I will, especially when I felt I overstepped my welcome, I will go and talk to them. And offer them, I said, you know, I'll send you, I'll tag you if I post it. Have you run into situations where they've, they've actually had a bit of a problem with you taking their photo or are too uncomfortable to let you hang on to the photo, so to speak? What, what, do, you, what do you do in those situations? It happens once in a while. It doesn't happen as much as you think it would. I mean, in New York, you blend into people. It's a little harder during COVID now because there's less people out. So I feel I'm a little more exposed in terms of being with the camera. But if it happens, I say, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I love the way the light hit your, um, you know, your jacket and it, you look really beautiful. And people usually like, even so they're angry and they don't want you to take your photo. If you're genuine and say, oh, I really loved something about you. They're like, oh, do you want to take my picture again? I mean, this has happened more than once where people and they're like, oh, you made my day because I think they feel like I'm genuine. Yeah. And there truly was something about them. I mean, it was the light or, you know, the jacket or some detail that caught my eye. And if I explain it to them, they're fine with it. 
I wonder, um, you know, as Kay said, we we don't go out and do street all that often, um, so we don't really run into these encounters as as as, as frequently as, as as you might. But I do wonder if um, there's a difference between um, being in those situations, being a male photographer or being a female photographer, and how comfortable those um, those people would be based on based on that. Do you have any kind of insight as to whether? whether there is actually a difference there or not. There has been a lot of discussion in the street um, photography community on male, female, who is more comfortable. I mean, I can only speak for myself. So I make sure that I go into neighborhoods where I feel like I am safe. Um, there's enough people. I will rarely go into kind of a lonely alley somewhere where I feel like I, I'm, I can't really see. I mean, the problem is when I'm involved in, in, in taking photos, I'm not as aware of what goes on around me. So I like if there's the more people, the better. I don't shoot much at night because I'm not comfortable. Whereas I think male photographers, they might feel more comfortable and then I'm also, I'm always kind of looking around and if I sense the situation is not, I'm not comfortable, I run. And that has happened twice, but I will run fast. And I will just <laughs> kind of see if there's a cop somewhere or, you know, how can I get out of the situation? That's uh, it's not, not, not nice to hear. What, what, what happened, if you don't mind, mind me asking? I think it was three men that were just sitting there and I'm just kind of shooting. I usually am very smiley. I think... Part of the COVID problem is the mask. I'm good in kind of communicating with people that this is fine. And I think I was just, and he got up after I took the photo and started yelling at me. And I didn't feel comfortable to say, hey, this is street photo. I, I can erase it. It's fine. I just felt like I, I needed to go. It just didn't feel like it. Like, and it was another situation where they kind of walked after me and then I will just run. But that's very rare. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, you know, the more you're out, the more chance there is of running into a situation that's that's like that. But as you say, it's really rare. It doesn't most It's really, are. really rare. And it's I usually am very good in kind of de-escalating. Yeah. If I feel there is some kind of conflict and you know what, if they really are so uncomfortable, I, I show it to them. I will erase it if they have to. And it's, it's, it's weird, but the people who want me to erase their photos, I would have never used it. They're, so <laughs> <laughs> They're a terribly boring shot. And I'm like, oh. Happy to erase. <laughs> yeah. More space on the memory card. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's fine. But it, it, I think you have to be comfortable being on the street and talking to people. Mm. Does that, um, does that become, or did, did that become easier for you over time? Or did you like, did you, when you first started in, in street photography, uh, were you already quite confident in yourself and, uh, you know, in terms of when it comes to like dealing or talking to strangers, or is that something you've sort of developed over time? Definitely developed over time. I do remember I was in a class and my instructor literally took my hand and said, this is where you need to sit. You cannot do street photography from over there. And he put me into the middle of Chinatown, people playing games in the middle of this. 
and nothing happened. I think you kind of realize that nothing happens and people don't care and people are usually friendly and, um, but definitely the more you shoot, the more you go out, the more you interact with people, the less scary it gets. Yeah. You definitely, there is a, there's a, there's quite a learning curve, but if you don't like interacting with people, this might just not be the way of shooting on the street. You know, you can step back. I mean, I, I do both. I think sometimes I'm very close and people's like, how close are you? And I say, I am on top of these people. And sometimes I kind of step back. So there's different ways of um, shooting. Because that's always the thing. I think, you know, you kind of think like, well, if you have a really long lens, you know, like a 300 or a 500 or something, you can be like really far away and get these close up shots and you know, be safe. You know, it's a safe distance. But what I've, what I've noticed in like, you know, in, um, in, in sort of, Kind of getting involved in, in a lot more street photography, um, both by looking at images and then talking to people, is that a, a lot of people shoot with like fixed focal lenses, uh, focal lengths even. Um, and uh, and I found it in the very beginning, I found it really staggering because I thought like, wow, if you're shooting in like a 35 mil equivalent or something like that, you gotta be like really in their face. And that's even, I mean, that is, I think, instinctively, you know, that would be the one, this a barrier for me. Um, that's actually, having said that, that's until Nick and me actually went on a little street photography trip not too long ago. I'll tell you about that later. So, um, so what, like, how how close do you get to people when you're when you're out in the street? Very close. I mean, it could be <laughs> a foot away. Yeah. Wow. And I shoot. So I shoot some of the Fuji with the crop. So it's either twenty three or twenty seven. Hmm. I am close, but I don't. I don't fear that. And sometimes, and it's usually, it's some detail shot or some, yeah, but I go close. Do, do you ask when you are that close, it's one thing being a bit of a distance and taking a shot where there's a bit of a crowd there or they're just walking down the street or whatever. Um, but when you're taking shots that are that close, are you asking, that, are you saying like, hey, is it okay if I take your photo? Just when you are that close or are you just taking it and seeing what happens? After? I just take it. Yeah, yeah. I just take it. I just take it. And usually the very close one, I kind of hold it, you know, like I will see something walking and I just kind of shoot it while they walk by or, I mean, I don't stand for a long time in front of these people. Hmm. But this, the other thing is I'm visible. Like I'm not a person who will just kind of attack out of the blue. People see me standing. Hmm. So they do often have a choice to walk around me or to, to like give me the hand, which I always like because every street photographer likes the kind of don't shoot <laughs> the hand you shoot. <laughs> <laughs> we all love that. Um, yeah, it's, I'm close, but I never, I, it's, it's, it, nothing has ever happened. That's actually quite a good strategy, I think. You're, I mean, really thinking about it, it's when you make yourself really visible and people do have a choice then. When they see you standing there with the camera, um, they actually have a choice as to whether to go around. There's always going to be the odd person who just, you know, who's just going to not take a beeline and then gets upset when you take a shot, I guess. And that's just something to deal with. But Or if I see a detail and they, they see I'm breathing down their neck, I mean, I kind of pretend I'm shooting up or, you know, to the side or it, they don't always know that 
And I think because you're so close, I think there's no way they can take my photo. See, here's another thing I, I often wonder. Um, do you use the, uh, the screen on the back of the camera a lot to shoot? Or do you always look through the viewfinder? Because I think it become, as soon as you look through the viewfinder, it becomes even more obvious that you're taking a picture. Is it, I use the screen. Use the screen? A lot. Okay. A lot. It, it's easier for me. I, it, I just kind of, I agree. I think the minute you're, you, you, but then you also cover your face. So I'm a left eye shooter. I don't know if you know which eye shooter you are, but I couldn't switch. It, the camera covers my face. So then I have no more connection with the people. Whereas if I hold it, I can still kind of have eye contact. I'm not hidden. I'm, I'm still in, in, in their space with them, which I think helps. Uh, it absolutely helps. You know, it helps. It, it clearly helps in like in a street situation. It actually, even helps in the studio. Um, we talked about this, I think, in last week's episode. Um, one of the things that I that I changed after years of shooting um, shooting headshots, for example, uh, freehand, um, I, I changed to using a tripod because it actually allows me to get away from being behind the camera and talking to the subject um, and you know, taking pictures. Because once the thing is set, the thing is set. I mean, that's you know, especially when it comes to headshots. That's not really, you don't really need to move around very much after that. And it just allows you to kind of break those barriers down, keep the communication going. And, right, you know. because then you have eye contact, you can see them. They don't, there's not that thing in between you. And so I think it's the same on the street. So Nick and me went out um, a few, well, it's months ago now, isn't it, Nick? It's like, it literally is. How, where are we now? It's like f- in between lockdown ago? two and three, wasn't it? Yeah. November, like f- October? Yeah. Wow, something that's... like that. I can't remember now. Whenever that was. Yeah, so it was. Um, it was oh. not too long before the before the Christmas um, lockdown came into place, and uh, Nick, Nick and I had an opportunity to go down to Brighton to the coast, and we went. We went specifically with the idea of doing some street photography. So we basically went like, okay, we've got a day, you know, a day off. We're just going to go down. Uh, we're going to try try our street photography game, <laughs> you know, and just see how that goes. This is really. Um, it's a really interesting experience. The one thing that really surprised me was how few shots I actually came away with um, on that day. That in the end, you know, after the whole editing shebang, I kind of thought, well, these are like worthy <laughs> to make it on my like on my social media thing or something. Um, and this is this is really something I, I wonder a lot when I look at you know yourself and, and other street photographers, uh, for instance, I follow online. There seems to be just a plethora of images that go up like virtually every day. And I'm, I'm kind of thinking like either those people must be going out to shoot every day or they go up once a week and they're just, they're just so, you know, talented. They can create like a hundred shots that are all amazing. There is no way that they go out one time hmm. and create these images because your success rate is so low. Yeah. That's exactly what I thought. I mean, I could go out and shoot a thousand photos. And I mean, you shoot quick and you shoot a lot. I mean, if you have two, three that actually go into a folder where you feel like, "Mm," you know, they're good. I mean, there might be one once in a while where like, oh, okay, things came together. I always laugh because when I feel like, oh, when I'm out on the street, oh, this was a wonderful, like I makes my heart sing that, oh, I think this was a great shot. When I get home and look at it, it's, Always the one that I miss the focus. With, yeah. With the, yeah. Like, yeah. It is it is very interesting. <laughs> but like when I feel like, oh, this this could be great, 
so not great at all. Yeah, that's, I find that the back of the camera is the screen is so deceiving sometimes. If you look, you look at it, and you kind of go, wow, this could be an awesome shot. And then you put it up on a computer and you go, oh, God, it's out of focus. Or like, right. Oh, right. Or it's so noisy or it's like, oh, whatever is wrong with it. It's just terrible. Um, I mean, Nick, how did you find it? Because I, I, I was really surprised as to how low um, my kind of, you know, keep my, my number of keepers were at the end of that. Yeah. Yeah, well, it it was low. I, I took a hell of a lot more photos than I thought I had taken on the day. I was mm. snapping away happily all, all day long, okay. you know. But, but I have to say, well, um, just outside of, of that for a second, it was probably the most enjoyable day out I've had in I don't know how long. There's something about, you know, touring a town that perhaps you haven't been to for a long time in, in particular or you don't know that well and spotting something that you haven't seen before and trying to capture that yeah. it was so enjoyable and we we must have seen we went all around the town didn't we Kay? it was well, we spent all day i mean it, it was a long day a long day of walking um yeah yeah but and it, it was just so so much fun yeah, that had we not gone into lockdown almost immediately after that, I would have gone out, out again straight away. You well, know, I, remember, I love oh, it. Because our original plan was actually to go into London. And so, you know, just for reference, Nick and me, were both on the outskirts of London, basically. Um, and so the, the first, the original idea was to go into London, you know, spend a whole day shooting, um, you know, and, uh, and that would have been, I mean, it would have, would have been relatively easy because there's so many, so many areas in London where you, where you know, like you can go to Canary Wharf and you can probably spend a whole day there, you know, um, before moving on to some other place. Um, but I remember it was actually, we'd, we got the news, I think the day before that the COVID numbers in London were dangerously increasing. And we kind of went, maybe it may, maybe we skip town <laughs> for a day and go to the coast, you know? And uh, and um, and it was, it was one of those, you know, if we don't do it now, we're probably not gonna have an opportunity to do it. Yeah. And it was only, it was probably only like days I guess less than a week later that we went into the the, the Christmas lockdown. That's right. It, it was it wasn't long after that at all. And the yeah. the added thing we put on ourselves when we arrived was we said to ourselves, you know what, let's make it a black and white photo day as well. Oh yeah, that's right. You know, and neither of us really shoot that. I and to that just added a different dimension to going out and doing street. Completely different dimension. The way of look, looking at whatever your composition is that you're trying to you're trying to take. Your mindset's ever so slightly different when you're t- you're going for a black and white shot rather than color shot, right? It it made me think and look at things in a slightly different way, and that that can be nothing but a good thing for. And for, here's, for here's an admission. Here's an absolute admission. I have to say because before we went out, I checked out. Obviously, you know, you do a little bit of research, especially if street photography is, is not like you know if you're not that proficient in it. Um, and I, I thought I'd do a little bit of research just to get some inspiration to see what you know. Well, like the real pros do, so to say. And I did totally check out your profile on Instagram. <laughs> and, you know, one of, the things, one of the things I picked up from that was um, that I thought, okay, I know this is going to be a sunny day. We're going to have some really high contrast going on. We're going to have some dark shadows. We're going to have some bright light. Um, and so I was look. I spent a day basically looking for these um, for these shadows and these, these, hard, you know, these hard lines um, and stuff like that. And uh, that was, I found that really interesting because, it's a bit of an Indiana Jones type of thing that comes out there where you kind of, you think like, right, I've got to hunt the light down. I've got to find these spots, right. you know? Um, it was it was actually super fun, super fun thing to do. I think what's super fun about it is that you don't have to prep. 
Yes. And I mean, that sounds like a lazy person, but I feel like I, my kids were little when I started street photography and I would have an hour to just go out. There was no, oh, I have to get a model or I have to set up or studio or rent things and makeup. And I could just go out and shoot. And I can go in my neighborhood or I can take the subway or I can, you know, whatever, or take the bus or wherever you want to go. And it's easy. It's kind of easy in a sense that it's very accessible. Like you can, you need a small camera. You don't, you also like, I don't switch lenses mm-hmm. ever. Like it's one little pancake lens and I, that's it. I never would even consider switching a lens. It doesn't even occur to me. It's light. It's, it, it's convenient. <laughs> it's like, it sounds like an ad, but it's, uh, it, there is something about that where you don't have to prep for it. Yeah. I, I, I like the challenge of having one focal length as well. It forces you to use that well and know what, you know, learn what you need to do with it. And did, did, did you say earlier you generally shoot 24 mil? I have a 23, a 27, which is, you know, like a 35 with the crop, but that's usually what I shoot. Okay. Oh, oh you're an APSC, aren't you? Um, you, you shoot Fuji, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes well, I shoot other cameras, but <laughs> Kay's a bit of a, a Fuji fan these days, aren't you, Kay? Well, I mean, it's you know, this is exactly the reason. And again, with you know, for those listeners and viewers who uh, who have followed the podcast, you will know this. Um, I some time ago I decided I needed to simplify what I was doing, and because I realized that you know, whenever I went out with the kids or went out you know for a trip or something, you know, I would take my DSLR and I would take like five different lenses because I thought I needed the oh 72 200 and the 24 something or you know and you kind of you 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 know you, you feel like a like a, a like a pack animal you know carrying all this stuff and you never actually use it because so much kerfuffle getting your camera out of the bag and then putting the lens right. on and change lens and all and so what actually happens is you come back at the end of the, at the end of the day and you haven't taken any shots uh, and then it's like but why did I just carry all this stuff around all day mm-hmm. and so I, I figured at the time that I wanted to simplify the process, and so um, I decided to to get the uh, to get this uh, Fuji X100F, which is the, the predecessor of the X100V, uh, because I I just liked the fact that it had a fixed focal length. It's basically the equivalent of a twenty uh, of a thirty-five mil lens on that thing, and that is it. That's all you got, and you got to make the best out of it. And when Nick and I went to, uh, you know, we decided to go on our little street photography trip, I was, of course, I was thinking like, okay, what camera shall I take? And I immediately thought, right, this is going to be the perfect opportunity to travel as light as possible. And all I took in the end was the Fuji and that was it. Um, and it was strangely liberating throughout the day because I didn't have to think about what focal length to use. I think the the more you can eliminate that I think with street photography, you just need to simplify. And the more you can simplify, the the easier it will be to find a good shot. So if you have one small little camera, if you have, also, I think if you're out with a big camera, to people, it's much more threatening. Mm -hmm. If you just have the, the, the Fuji X100, I have the V, that looks like you're just taking snapshots. Like you cannot be a professional photographer with those kind of with, with that camera. Yeah, you look like tourists, basically. Yeah, you look like a tourist. You look like oh, you know, okay, and 
what's she shooting? You know, what's she interested in? But it's not, nobody pays attention. If you're out with a big, long, with a body, even the body, if it's big, it becomes this, this object. And I think it makes it really hard. London has this, this issue with security guards um, mm. because with some of the buildings, you're prohibited from photographing them because they're under, like, it's private land and they're under, like, copyright, whatever. Um, and so it's sort of a common thing in London that you're being, uh, you know, hushed away by some by some security guard, especially when you get to the, the sort of both, both the landmark kind of buildings. Um, and so, of course, the minute you, you pull out a black professional-looking camera, <laughs> you're clearly a professional photographer and therefore you're there for some commercial reason and then, you know, you've, you've got trouble on your back. Um, whilst... You know, if you're pulling out a little touristy-looking camera, then, of course, you're much more likely to get away with it. Um, is that the same in New York? In New York, there really... I don't think there is any building that you can... Well, that's not true. Like, on bridges, if, I think after 9-11, they, they eliminated public buildings because they didn't want you to do um, any kind of mapping, I guess. But anything in public, really, you're allowed to photograph. You're allowed to photograph people in their homes from the street. Mm-hmm. So I think Europe is very different than the U.S. in terms of what um, what what the law is. But it, it's always like, where is your comfort level? Where are you ethically? You know, what are you comfortable with? Where do you want to shoot? What what's right for you as a photographer? Yeah. Um, there's really no building, I mean, and even policemen. I mean, I I photograph policemen a lot. Usually they're friendly, and usually they they don't care. Usually they think it's um some tourist taking a photo. They smile. Yeah, it's it's not it's not as um as hard as in New York. I mean, I, as in London, I think. I know there's there's a there's a marked difference between uh, Germany, uh, especially, and the UK. I mean, the UK, I think, is, yeah. is generally relatively. The one trouble you have in London, in particular, is that um, it's. I think you're very free to do whatever as long as you're on public land. But sometimes, even when you're in the middle of the city, it's actually very difficult to determine whether the land that you're standing on is private land. So, for instance, Canary Wharf, which is sort of a big, big business district, that that whole area is all privately owned land. So, it's, interesting. Yeah, so you might you might think you're you're on public land, but you're not, and that's that's where then you know these powers come in. And I remember uh, Nick and me did uh, we actually did a car shoot, um, which had really nothing to do with well, it was kind of street <laughs> photography in the sense that we're, we're on the street. But um, we did uh, we did some light painting, so we like we did some long exposure stuff of a car, um, and we got into trouble with security there. And this this was um, uh, just well, what we thought was a public road just outside of Eton College, but it turned out that what was it? Nick? I think the college owned the street or something like that. So, something like that. I I, yeah, yeah. I question the validity of it. I have to wow. say, but um, that's what we were yeah, told. Apparently so. <laughs> so we had to. I do- mean. I sometimes will have a security guard say, oh, you can't shoot, you know, the buildings on the outside. And most of the time I already had my shot. So <laughs> like, okay, I'll leave. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but it truly, I have the right to shoot anywhere in New York, outside and on the plazas. There's no no place where, where legally, I think. But again, it's like how much how much trouble do you want to get into? Like how much argument, how much adrenaline do you want to spend on negative input from people? 
I mean, it's, it's like when you get in these arguments, I feel like it's, it just drains you. Like it's just kind of takes you out of your mindset and it's not how I like to shoot. So I try to avoid it. I think that's generally the best idea is just to avoid these <laughs> kind of confrontations altogether. Just, you know, somebody's got an issue. There's, there's a friendly way of dealing with it. And and like you said earlier, you know, if they want you to, de- to delete the photo, then, you know, nobody's going to die. I mean, you know, if you lost <laughs> the photo, so that's probably yeah. okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, did you, uh, you mentioned uh, you mentioned nine eleven earlier? Uh, did you were you living in New York City when nine eleven happened at the time? I was living in New York, but I actually wasn't shooting at the at the, at nine eleven. I mean, I I did not start photography until about ten years ago, right. and then I really took online classes. So at nine eleven, I was in New York, and I I live actually on the thirty seventh floor of an apartment building, I could see, I couldn't see the planes, but I could see the smoke you could see. And it was frightening. I mean, that, that was a time anybody who's lived in New York, I mean, you, you go right back to that moment. It'll, it'll never kind of leave you. No, I think even, I think everybody over here remembers exactly where they were when that happened yeah. as well. Yeah. I can remember it vividly. And I was, you yeah. know, just come back from, uh, I think it was it like nine a.m. our time, uh, or was it in yeah, the afternoon? It was, it, no, it was in the morning. It was in the afternoon for you. It was yeah. early. It was it was like it was eight oh seven. Oh, that's right. It was like right early in the morning. I just got back in from school. I remember it, and uh, and it started. I was with a couple of friends, <laughs> and then that just the news came on. It's like, what? what? So, right, right. <laughs> See, you're that no. much is that much younger than me that you're still <laughs> <Right>. at school. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I was already out of college. I'm like, hey. <laughs> I'm not giving away my age, but I had a, I think well, a one-year-old and a three-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I did mention that in college, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was just, you know, I was, yeah, I was, I was working from home, actually. I remember, um, yeah, it's it one of these things. There, there are certain things, certain events where you always remember where you were at the time. Um, and I often think if I would have been shooting, like, would I have been down, you know, would I have been going there? It's, it's, I mean, I'm not a documentary photographer, but it's an interesting, like, how would you have approached this? Yeah. There's, you know, one of the things that I admire the most uh, about street photography is that, you know, you, of course, as always in photography, you know, you're freezing a moment, but I'm personally, I'm always very fascinated when I see, um, old photographs of areas that I know very well in 2021. And then you see a photograph of what that street was like in 1869 or something, whatever, you know, whatever. So you have that in the UK, you have that a lot in pubs. You know, a lot of pubs have these old photographs um, hanging up uh, of, of the, the local area back 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 120 years ago. And it's, it's really fascinating to see how these areas change. Um, do you find it in your photography now, now that you've been shooting for like 10 years, do you, do you sometimes go back to a place and be like, wow, I don't know where this was like totally different. Well, street, I've been shooting three, four years only. Right. I mean, I actually did flower photography first. <laughs> I actually saw your, your flower Instagram <laughs> profile, <laughs> which is very good, by the way. I'm not, I'm not hiding it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It, it, they're great models and you really get to study light on a flower. Mm-hmm. So all of my, or many of my skills that I used later in, um, 
you know, that I'm using now in street photography, I actually learned because of love photography. And I shoot fully manual. Right. So I think it's because I learned with the very patient flowers. It, sometimes it's, it's difficult to... Um to to use so skills in, in, from one area of photography and then you know transplant that into into another area but of course occasionally it works very well what i found is I mean, for me when especially when we went to brighton uh, for the whole day was that i tried to automate certain aspects of of my camera and i'm not used to it because in the studio i shoot completely manual because i'm in control of everything i'm in control of uh, the depth of field i'm in control of the lighting you know i can control how much light hits the scene, whatever. Um, and so there's no need for me to rely on any anything automatic as far as that's you know, concerned. Um, but I, my thought process uh, in Brighton was really that if I can let the camera do certain things, then maybe that'll speed up the process and maybe, I don't know, maybe I'll be lucky to get the right, the right shot or something like that. So do you use any automatic settings? Like, I don't know, auto ISO or something like that at all? Or do you shoot totally manual? I shoot totally manual most of the time. Right. And I think part the reason for it is, is that if I shoot in these very high contrast light situations, mm -hmm. if I blow out the highlights, I'm the, I lost the shot with the digital photos. Mm. So I'm very, I'm always trying to underexpose and, and, and I kind of know I, what my f-stop should be. And mm. so I shoot fully manual most of the time. It's rare that I, I shoot um, autofocus. Right. I don't zone, zone um, focus. Zone focus. Well, actually, zone focusing is a, it's a funny thing that I came across only really when I was sort of preparing for, for our little trip. Can you explain to our viewers and listeners what, what zone focusing is? You basically estimate where your um, subject will be, and you kind of preset your focal area or your, you know, your focal. And then, depending on your depth of field, you, you, with time, I guess, you learn where that should be. But I rarely do that. I mean, I know all the grades on Leica's will shoot um, zone focus, maybe because I didn't get to street photography until a couple of years ago and my eyes aren't great and I like very crisp um, shots like I like it very in focus I think so I I shoot autofocus but I mean you should try it zone focus is hard it adds a, it adds like a whole other element of coming home and said oof I missed this yeah well we I was certainly trying that out um, and, I, and I found that relatively challenging uh, it was also one of the things, though, where I kind of thought, like, well, okay, I can see how if I got the handle on this, how this could actually <laughs> help me, you know. But it just goes to show it's one of these things that you really have to practice. Like, A lot. You, you know, when you first, how did you, what motivated you initially to get into street photography? Because you, you said you were um, photographing flowers to start with. So how did you get from flowers to shooting street? I took one class. I took a lot of classes and I took an ICP class at uh, International Center of Photography in New York, which is kind of continued education. You can take a lot of classes. And I took the street photography class just randomly. Oh, cool. And I really fell in love with it. I just felt that it was so much more exciting and my personality and what I really like about photography. Now, 
it's probably 500,000 shots later mm-hmm. that, I mean, there's an enormous learning curve. I have shot so many photos. I mean, I'm like, oh, I really want to get this right. Yeah. So th- these shots don't just happen. Like you can't, like if you go out one day, you can't even be disappointed mm-hmm. if, if you feel like, oh, I got like one or two good shots mm-hmm. because it takes so many different shots. It doesn't just happen. Yeah. These people that get the, the shots that over and like amazing situations, they have done this for a long time. Mm. They're really, 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 there is no easy way. Can you imagine if you had to do that on film? <laughs> but people did. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's a crazy thing, right? <laughs> people, people did. I mean, I guess your eye gets very... Um, schooled and, and gets mm. very focused like you really know what you're looking for mm. yeah i don't know that's yeah do you crop in post much not much no there, there might be some right but most of the time no because then you run into trouble when um somebody wants a print yeah yeah i found myself cropping a lot and it mm. kind of got me thinking more and more about um my composition and making sure that you know i'm getting more in the positions of what i actually want from that shot rather than going wider and having to crop afterwards and that just doesn't work and that's where i think that fixed focal length was really going to help um so i'm I'm definitely going to be doing that next time next time i go out what about um uh what about editing um are you a big editor or is it you know what you see is kind of pretty much what came out of camera some shots are edited a lot mm-hmm. where I really push the contrast where I will, I mean, I feel that I can, I'm not a documentary photographer where I will take some things out, but then there are shots, there's very little editing. I mean, it's usually, it's like a Lightroom and then it's a Photoshop, but it's, it's I would say it's less editing than more. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not great with Photoshop anyway, so. I try not to. <laughs> I found myself taking things out which I felt simply distracted from what I was trying to achieve with that particular shot out there. You know, it might be, oh, I don't know, just something that just didn't fit for where I can't think of an example right now. Um, but, the, you know, that's pretty much the only Photoshop I was doing. Otherwise, everything was uh, I do on those is, uh, is Lightroom-based. See, I did yeah. the opposite. Yeah. I put stuff in. <laughs> put stuff in. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Because there was one, so there were two shots. Um, when we came back, there were two shots that, that I really liked. One was, um, so if a shot down, like a, you know, like a, a canyon of buildings, basically, with the sea um, in the background sort of a thing. And then and there were like really, some really cool shadows and the light was really cool. And there was a car right in the middle with some red lights. Everything was black and white and it had this, this car in the middle. And then I shot, further down the beach, I shot, a whole lot of birds. There was some. Do you remember there was some crazy amount of seagulls of all of a sudden, mm. like some whatever it's called. Is it called a swarm of seagulls or a school of seagulls or something like that? Yeah, it's close enough. Yeah, like I don't know, hundreds of, of seagulls. So I took a shot of that, and then I kind of um, I combined the two images. So what's happening now is like you're looking down these buildings and you're looking down this this street, and in the distance you have the sea and then the sky full of birds. So it's like, a, it, it just gave the whole thing like a menacing um, appearance, you know, because it's a bit like straight out of Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. 
<laughs> type of a movie. But then, but then, did you feel like that's still true street uh, street photography, or then it's like a fine? It's like it's like this fine line of you're yeah. not documentary. Exactly, and so this this was in fact um, Nick and me had a had a conversation about this because I think that's exactly what Nick said to me. Like, well, it's not street photography anymore. And like, yeah, maybe not, but you know, it's art. So hey, <laughs> whatever. I, um, it, uh, it's it's hard sometimes. I think I know this from um, some camera club experience that I have, some comp- competition experience that I have. Is that sometimes it's very difficult uh, because you have to, especially when you take part in, in competitions, you have to stick to some very strict kind of rules as to what's what and you know uh if it's like in nature i think what do they call it nature documentary shot then you're not allowed to edit anything it's going to be absolutely as as it's come out of the camera sort of that um but i'm just wondering you know when i look at your photos because a lot of them well practically all of them are like so picture perfect i mean it's literally i could just like scroll through your instagram account i could just pick out just about any photo and i I would happily print it and put it on the wall Mm -hmm. 100 percent and so, you know, this is the thing Like, well, I'm, of course, I'm always wondering, like, okay, so how much editing has gone into that? Like, what did that actually look like when it first came out of the camera? I would say 90% of them are fairly close. And then there's 10 where I will just take things out and I really will just add contrast. And I, but then it becomes this kind of almost a graphic design. Yeah, so some of the black and whites on my on my feet are very graphic, and then it almost like becomes this this other. So this is why I'm almost at this point I almost don't call myself a street photographer. I call myself a photographer that just captures moments on the street hmm. because street photography is like this weird box that you put into, and I don't always do well in that. I feel because my photos aren't the layered um, situation, funny. I mean, that's not me. Or that's not how I shoot and that's not how I see. Hmm. What I found super interesting, and this, I, always, I always like turned this into a game for myself, is when I looked at your Do Logs um, project. Because I, I absolutely love that. It's, it's, what it is, in essence, is that Do Logs are basically, well, it's like a triptych, but with two. So these two images um, that are paired together, and there needs to be some kind of connection between the images. Would that be, would that yeah. be right to say? That's exactly um, right. And when I looked through that project, um, I, I sort of made it a game for me to work out what the connection was. And it's it's like it was so much fun because because the way you've paired them up, it's so brilliant how they connect because sometimes it's Thank color, you. you know sometimes it's color sometimes it's light sometimes it's shape sometimes it's texture but there's always something that connects sometimes it's very obvious and sometimes you've got to look um but when you find it it's a bit like you know these these uh, riddles that you do where you've got like you know you've got to find <laughs> the like, oh i got it <laughs> yeah exactly <It's> like, <laughs> so um I actually thought I, I thought about doing this with my i have a, a nine-year-old daughter um who recently got into photography so I thought about playing that game with her <laughs> to see whether she could figure it out. I think kids do much better. I mean, I, I, my brother's like, I don't get it. And he's, a, you know, he's, he's, he's in a different field and he's not, he's not a photographer. And I said, you know what, have your 10 year old daughter 
let's see what she says. And it's much more, there is no right or wrong, first of all. Like if you're older, you're like, oh, did you have to get it? But um, thank you because you exactly described what I was trying to do, um, where every photo is paired in a different way. So it's not like, oh, you got the first pair. So now you know what's coming in the next pair. But each pair is different. There's also color and black and white. And then there's color and black and white, which some people have told me I shouldn't do that. And I feel like, okay, um, I will. Um, but I try very hard. And I mean, the way it's an interesting way how I pair them, I think. Or for me, it's interesting. I don't know if it's interesting for anybody else. But basically, it's like playing this memory game. I have this folder of photographs that I feel like are strong enough to be a pair. So they have to kind of be pre-edited in to go into this folder. And then I will pull a photo. And then in my head, I kind of go, it's like a Rolodex. People might not know what a Rolodex is anymore, but it's kind of like this mental Rolodex where I go through my photos and think, oh, you know what, that might work. And then I will try them and then I will kind of sit with them and I might print them and then they might not work at all. So it, the ones that are on my website, I felt like, you know what, the, the, and I still I will change them if I don't like them. Sometimes you change, but so most of them, I've, I've, they've lived there for a little bit. Oh, and it, it might be that, you know, two months from now, you might shoot something that would be the perfect fit, you know, for it. And then, of course, I guess you have to free the creative freedom to just change it out if you want to. Switch it out, right. Yeah. But it's, it's a lot of fun Yeah. for me. It's um, I'm really drawn to to triptychs um, and, and these these sort of you know pairings of images. Um, a little while ago, well, actually, oh man, that's like that's like two years ago now. That's incredible to think that. Yeah. Um, I went back home to uh, to Germany. My, like I'm originally from Germany, actually, and so and my mom. Yeah, still, I saw that. <laughs> so is my mom. My mom is from Germany. Cool, because you're from you're originally from Schweinfurt, is that right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that's uh, that's actually not too far from where I'm from. Um, so you just for reference sake, so you're from Schweinfurt, which is this northern part of Bavaria, I would say. And uh, and so while I'm from I'm from the state of Baden-Württemberg and near Stuttgart, which is just a little bit further south. It's not that far. Yeah, it's, it's right. um two and a half hours on the Autobahn, which <laughs> depending on your speed you're going. <laughs> exactly. Which by German which by German standards actually two and a half hours on the Autobahn. That seems like a long distance, but you know, by by Canadian standards or by by American standards, two and a half hours. It's like, like nothing. nothing. Yeah, exactly. It's like always that always amuses me because I, I also have uh, part of my family uh, from Canada, and, and that the distances are very different. I went to um, to see my my mom uh, for a week or so a couple of years ago, and I, I decided that um, I thought, wouldn't it be cool if I document my stay there with a tr- with a daily triptych? So I've got to take three images every day that somehow. Um, explain or show what happened on that day. So they kind of summarize what's happened on that particular day. So, you know, the first day was traveling, obviously. Then the second day we went to a ZZ Top concert in southern Germany. That's right. That's a good one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, photograph for sure. What I'm saying, yeah. And, you know, um, and then, and also it was like, you know, it was, it was in the summer. It was super hot. It was like 38 degrees or something crazy. Um, and so... It was a real challenge uh, to, to first of all, get this to, to it sort of motivated you to keep shooting every day and to just think about photography every day. And, and of course, again, that's very different from what I normally do. Normally I shoot headshots. That's what I do. So 
anything uh, anything like that's very different and it kind of you know it, it gets your sort of creative brain going um and again that's actually something i used to fuji for as well because i just want to limit it um but i found that kind of having to pair up different shots just that experience in itself is a it's extremely satisfying but also artistically when you then see it on the screen or in print it it, it uh, adds to the storytelling aspect of photography generally of course in your case these images are they're not taken necessarily on the same day or anything they're kind of random pairings but it's because they connect to each other that's that's really what builds that connection there when these pairs come together it's like oh wow hmm. but there's and i mean i still take classes and so my teacher i will bring them in and we'll look at them it's like eh, no no that no, that doesn't work. So sometimes I think, oh, you know, they could work. And mm. what I say, and sometimes it's like, okay, yeah, it's like, it's perfect. But I, I, it's fun. I mean, I think diptychs are a great way of, of um, kind of exploring your own photography and, and seeing how can you expand your story. Was that project something that you consciously started or did you just happen across two photos where you just got, oh, God, they work really well <laughs> together? It was actually a class assignment. Ah, and so, okay. ah cool. <laughs> and so we had to, I think we were, look, we're looking, um, we're looking at Ralph Gibson and he did, a, he does a lot of um, diptychs. I mean, he does, yeah, he does a lot of diptychs. So we were supposed to pair and see if we can create some pairs and that just somehow clicked with me. I was like, I love it. it just my my work just worked really well in these pairs, and I really enjoyed the, the the connection. And I also I shoot a lot of the same subject, so it's like the guy with the hat, the guy smoking, the guy. So all of a sudden, there was like this other way to 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 show my work. It was like okay, we've seen the guy with the hat. Thank you so much. I mean, people are like, how do you find these hats? I mean, you find hats. It's not that hard. You can find a guy with a balloon. It's not that hard. But then it's like how you know. It's like how do you expand on that story? So are you um, are you finding yourself now when you're going out to just generally shoot? Are you keeping these kind of in the back of your mind, knowing I still haven't got a pair for that? I still haven't got a pair for that face, or is it just still shoot whatever you feel like you want to shoot that day? I will shoot what I feel like I like to shoot. I I, I mean I try sometimes. I mean, now I'm trying to want to be more, a little more project, the, the, planning the project ahead of time, which is a very different blinders you put on. But for the pairs, it will be a photo where I go home. It's like, oh, that's pairable. Like it's something graphic. There is a color. There's a shape. There is something that can be connected with something else, where it becomes this uh, this, this other story. But I, I don't shoot to like, oh yeah, let me find a pair of. I don't have shoes or have, I don't whatever it is. So I found your your um, your darker days project. I mean, the fact that it was called Darker Days, or that that you decided to call it Darker Days, um, it really places it in that time period. Um, and and I think it's it's one of these things where you know, in twenty years time, you'll probably be looking back at this um, at this project, and it'll you know it, it'll really kind of frame exactly what's happened at that time really well. And I you know I love that because because I have a lot of respect for, you know, for creatives who, 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 who manage to create something out of a situation like that. 
Um, and, you know, I often feel like all I could think, me personally, all I could think about at the time was like, you know, sitting at home and like taking pictures of myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, which was good. Which, you know, which is good. a good way, right? Yeah, it's good in other ways, but, um, you know, it, it didn't occur to me at the time that there would be, it, this would be a good opportunity to sort of almost like document what was happening. Um, and I know, you know, I had, uh, had some friends who went to London. This is, you know, th- these images, I don't know, Nick, I don't know if you remember, but um, some of the, some of the images that, uh, those, you know, those few photographers that managed to actually get into town because all the, the underground was shut and, you know, nothing really works anymore. It was it's just incredible to see these scenes of Trafalgar Square with with literally zero mm. people in it, you know, or um, or Leicester Square totally empty. And the only time you ever see that in London is when there's, let's say, a movie production, right? And like they close Trafalgar Square because Tom Cruise is shooting his latest whatever Mission Impossible twenty four movie or something like that. Um, and it was just like you know, it was it was uh, it was incredible to see you know a city that you know. We've lived in, like, I've been here for 20 something years. Um, it was just really incredible to see to see the city like that. It was just, you know, uh, unfathomable. Um, I mean, you could walk on Times Square where usually you can't get anywhere. There's no people. I mean, there was nobody. It, it, it was, but I didn't feel that I captured the emptiness well. I mean, some people really, it, that just wasn't how I saw. I felt like there were so many photos of people. I think it's hard to kind of express the emotion in that. I mean, yes, it's empty, but like, like how do you express how you feel about this? And I mean, it's hard with photography. And there were some, I mean, there were some amazing projects that came out of COVID. I have some friends, I mean, it's incredible what they did. The creativity that some people that how they found what it blew me away. And that project did was that primarily taken during March of last year. It was March, April. March and April. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder because during particularly during the first lockdown and particularly those first two months, I was still processing what was going on and I didn't really <laughs> know yet how I felt about it. And I just wonder if perhaps you were feeling kind of the same way, and that's maybe come out in the project because mm. i think that you set set about that project correct correct me if i'm wrong but um i, I thought that I, re- I read that these were photos of how the situation made you feel is that right it was more about how i responded to what yeah. was happening in my in, in my in my home i mean my my younger daughter she was okay with me taking photos my older no so, you know, it was the cat, it was the puzzle. I mean, it was like all these weird things that are, <laughs> were so odd, like things we've just never done. And I kind of just tried to keep a diary of that. Yeah. And it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't street. I mean, I would go out. I mean, the going out at night was interesting because the shadows were very different and there's still enough mm-hmm. light. And you'd be amazed how, how, how well your Fuji will work at night. And, a, and an F, what is it? I think it's an F2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is, yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's amazing what photos you can do without a tripod. Like, mm-hmm. I never take a tripod. And so it, I still felt like I needed to kind of walk and just 
clear my head and see people and still see what's going on. But somehow the nighttime felt safer, hmm. which otherwise I would never say. Hmm. And it was cold. It was very cold. Yeah. I mean, I remember, I think it was March and I was walking around with my husband. It was freezing cold. And there was nobody out. But it's hmm. still, to me, I did kind of these loops. It felt comforting. And how, how often were you going out during that project? Um, were you still shooting every day or was it just a, as and when you felt? It was felt... harder to motivate myself yeah. to go out, hmm. but I felt like, you know what, I, I really should. And so after dinner, I would just go for a walk. I mean, it got dark fairly early, so I would just kind of wait and go out and it was dark. And you see the city differently if you go out at night. I mean, that's another challenge you should take. Like just go in your neighborhood after dark and just kind of take your camera and take one or two shots because the lighting is amazing. It's very different. I, I, I did, I did just that in our, it must've been our second lockdown that we had over here. I, I forget when that was now. Um, I kind of just challenged myself to go out in my local area and take a photo every day yeah. of something that, I was drawn to on that particular moment that I was there and they, I might go out during the day. I might go out in the evening, mm. totally depends on what else was happening that day. Right. So that's when I'll go and when I felt motivated to go out, but I made, I made sure I went out 31 days straight and took a photo, but you're absolutely right. I don't often go out around this area where I live in at, at night. I just generally don't. I'm off, off, usually off going somewhere. So you right. don't look at your surroundings in the same way but when i went out in the evening and i just looked and looked and looked i was seeing things I, i'd never seen before i was seeing things in a totally different way and i was thinking about the shots that i was going to take completely differently completely differently and you know i took there's some shots of um a couple of different churches that we've got around here that i took and you, I've never seen them in the way that I took a photo in right. at night, right? I've never seen them that way before. And I loved it. I much preferred going out around here in the evening, much preferred it. And I'm sure it was much more cinema, cinema, cinematic uh -huh. um, to, to shoot because, because of the light and how it's more, it's much more drama. Mm, yeah. So I'm sure as, you know, as like a filmmaker, I think the, the kind of drama that, that happens at night is so different. And not that I've done it in a while, but it's it's definitely I I love what happens to the lights and the people. Yeah, it's it's totally. I did well. I actually ended up doing lots of light trails as well because it was just <laughs> yeah. more than anything. I find them great fun to do because it's <laughs> not just fun. sitting there taking one photo and timing it just when a, a car or two is going past. It's timing it so it's not just car a car going past or a bike going past. You've got multiple, they're going in different directions. You then want, okay, right, I know I've got that shot, I've got that shot. Uh, I'm probably going to composite another light trail into it just to give it more, more, a bit more interesting. But it, it's getting the composition of that just right. Because otherwise it's just boring another light trail picture that you've seen a hundred thousand times before. And it's trying to make it slightly special. And at all, it for me is totally dependent on what's behind that light trail. Um, it's got to be an interesting scene to begin with. If it's going to look good without that light trail there, it's going to look good with the light trail. If it's not going to look good when you haven't got a light trail there, light, light trails make are it very better. seductive. They're yeah. very seductive. So it's like you get so excited about the light trail yeah. that it's 
like it's hard to like think what's what's behind that yeah it really was and the first couple <laughs> i did i was struggling with with just that and i was like why isn't this why is this not working why doesn't this look good and and then it just kind of hit me that well what if that light wasn't there it would just be quite a boring scene <laughs> yeah you know it's just you're, be boring you're you know? and actually Kay, this goes back a little bit it's the same principle to um you know when we've been talking about our car photography and you've mentioned a couple of times that yeah, um, that I forget who it was that mentioned it to us now, but think of t- a car photography as landscape photography with a car in it. Mm. And that's absolutely right. If that scene looks great without a car in it, it's going to look even better when you've got a, 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 right. the car in it. And I, I just think these all all tie in together just right. It's just a, a concept and a mindset around what, what you're taking as a photo. You see, I, I struggle with that sometimes because um, with, you know, with where you live, Nick, uh, you live in a very picturesque little town um, called called Eaton. And it's, it's like a very, um, it, I think for me, everywhere I look, there's something really pretty and really like, st- like stereotypically oldie worldy English. Um, yeah. Um, around you was where I live it's maybe not so much <laughs> so it's like you know I find it hard because I thought about this a, a number of times I thought like oh maybe I should you know just go out um and do some street photography just you know again like you know like you said like take an hour take the camera just go out and, and shoot something and I'm thinking like what am I gonna shoot around here <laughs> it's like <laughs> uh. that'll be the next challenge we're gonna walk around to your house right I think there's like this challenge where you go a hundred steps. I think you're allowed to take a hundred steps maximum. Oh, really? And you have mm-hmm. to, that's like your full assignment. Okay. And you, you will see the things you will notice that you never even saw before, just because you look at it in, in a different way. Yeah. But I think it's hard when everything is pretty and picture, picturesque to like, how do you make this now? How do you transform it into mm-hmm. a modern 2021 photograph like what makes it like i always try to to i mean they have this kind of traditional feel i know that but i would like it to be placed that it was taken in 2021 and not taken in 1800 like what what is it that makes it modern like that what makes it that makes it fresh so i think it's actually much harder in eaton to make a fresh photo that is a little more edgy than it is probably where you are. So this is actually something I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah, but this this really this is something I was going to ask you um, because it's you've mentioned the word timeless. This is exactly how when I look at your uh, your Instagram account, for example, um, when I look at the grid, like these images have taught to me, they're totally timeless. Like they they can still be as relevant in like twenty years time as they are today. Um, and then. You know, I compare that sometimes with like um, with some other street photography, um, you know, accounts where it's all very there's this kind of Instagram type of look um, to to a Mm. lot of street photography that I'll see. It's it's very this kind of like I don't know. It's hard to describe the umbrella in the rain. Yes, exactly that kind of thing. (laughs) And it's like when I then compare, and and sometimes you know I look at I look at some of those images and I think like, well, that's, that's really cool, you know. But then I look at your at your imagery and it's like this is is so far above that and beyond that thank you you know that it's it's really um and this for me this is always the thing i always i like you know and of course this is like it's totally personal opinion of course because other people might might prefer other types of imagery who knows 
But whenever, like, again, you know, when we were preparing for our little trip to Brighton, you know, I was specifically looking at, at your imagery because I kind of thought, like, well, that's going to be a challenge to, to, to just get anything that's anywhere remotely even close to, to Nina's imagery. Um, I'm so flattered. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, and then, no, it's true. Um, and I think, I'm, I'm very sure, you know, uh, any, any of our listeners and viewers, you know, what's, um, uh, of course, you'll find all the links um, in the description. So, you know, make sure you go check that out. Uh, and I'm sure they'll agree. It's, you know, street photography is a really hard thing to do. And it's for, for the reasons that, you know, we've talked about. Um, and it's, I find it's just, you know, it, it just it blows my mind how you can create this, this, this vast body of work of, of imagery and it all like consistently, uh, you know, uh, consistently so, so far up there. Um, I particularly try to kind of, to capture that high, con- high contrast, um, you know, look that, that, that your images have. And it took a little bit of experimentation in terms of camera settings um, to get there, you mentioned something earlier is that the, you always, you shoot slightly underexposed because you're so taking care of the highlights in order to you know, prevent the highlights from, from blowing out. When I was like, you know, when I was uh, out at Brighton and we had actually, you know, like I said earlier, we had really strong blue skies and strong sunlight for, for the most part of the day. And so you did have these, these strong shadows and then, you know, there's these hard lines. And I always found that I had to kind of, Push myself to at least, I guess, underexposed by a stop. And to right, at least yeah. by a stop. Yeah, or or even more, actually. Uh, do you have a quick way to to get into that on your camera? How do you how do you set up your camera to kind of? I know that if it's a really bright day, that I usually shoot at f sixteen. Right. Okay. Cool. And then it'll be at least at f sixteen. And then my ISO, I'm. It, it almost doesn't matter that much. I mean, the Fuji you can push anyway. I mean, I, I sometimes say I have it at 800. People will say it's too much noise. That's way too high. I mean, why are you doing that? But I like, I get the depth of field then. And I know that in that light, it'll be really sharp. Like I will toss a shot if it's in, in that contrasting light, if it's not crisp. I feel like it needs to crisp. But then, I mean, if it's a, a gray day, I mean, and I just posted one shot and I shot that during the, the blizzard. There's still a way of seeing a contrast. I mean, there's this one where this woman is walking across the street and it's all white out. So the white out gives you enough contrast to a person dressed in dark to give you that feeling of contrast. So I know I like the, the high contrast with the light, but for some reason... I think it gives you that similar emotion when it's the snow and there's a person that's dressed black going through it. So you can still kind of push that. I mean, it's harder, but it's a little different because you see differently. Or I just posted a shot of a guy with the rimmed, snow-rimmed head, and I I re-edited it. But all I saw was the circle of the snow, which was a white circle against a very clean background. So in my head, this is what I see. I see the, 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 these elements, and then I try to clarify them. I try to get the background as simple as possible. Like, I rarely have very complicated, complex backgrounds. I'm not the layering where I don't see that when every time I try, I fail. 
And I tried a lot because I think, oh, you know, it's great to how they get these fragments and people. And it's just not how, how my composition works. Hmm. Do, do you feel, because um, a lot of your work is in black and white. And then, of course, you also have um, color shots. How do you make, do you always shoot in color and then convert it to black and white? Or do you shoot in black and white when you're... They're all shot in black and white, but the high contrast, which I'm sure you notice, it looks on your screen like a black and white shot. Like you can really see the, the uh, you, you, I know when it's a black and white shot, when I shoot it. So do you shoot in RAW or do you shoot in JPEG? I shoot in RAW. Yeah, and then, uh, okay, so so basically you're shooting, you've, uh, presumably are using one of the, the Fuji... Uh, color presets or did you sort of set that up i but it doesn't really matter because in raw once you download it you lose that anyway exactly it's like a, so i should write just i don't even know what setting i have but it almost doesn't matter because the the, the high contrast looks black and white on my screen it yeah. doesn't matter what what color setting you're in right and even my color shots are very graphic mm. But then the, the color has to be something, adding something to the photo. Yeah. It's kind of a strange decision-making, but it's it's always like this this one element where I feel that it, it needs to pop out, whether it's in, in, in a contrast or in a color. Just, I'll tell you what I did. Uh, and I kind of thought it would help me at the time a little bit. Is I used to, um, I shot in Robert, I, I used one of the uh, one of the black and white presets. I kind of tweaked it a little bit just to give me more of an idea. Um, and so whilst I was shooting, when I was checking your images on the back of the, of the camera screen, um, they would pop up in black and white. But then, of course, once, you know, and so you kind of think, you know, sometimes you think like, oh, this looks awesome. You know, once I convert that into black and white on a computer, I'm going to get it to look like that. But of course, that never really happens. And, you know, more often than not, once you actually are on a computer and you convert it, you get to go, now it doesn't look anything like it did <laughs> on the on the back of the camera. But that is also experience. If you shoot a lot of black and white, like I know where to, how to push my black and whites. Like I have a very similar, I think, look to my black and white. Like I don't like when it's, I mean, it has to be enough contrast, but I don't like when it's blown out. Where it's so, where you lose all the details. So there's a certain, I think, a certain look to my, my editing yeah. in black and white. Because the, the full out, uh, the full sort of blown out um, highlight type of thing, that's also a particular look that I come across on Instagram right. in particular. Um, there's, there's, there's a number of photographers who are also very good at what they do. Philip Weinman is one of one of those guys as uh, a Swiss uh, photographer. Yeah, um, I know. You're right. And, uh, and his, I mean, it's the same. I always wonder, like, how the hell does he get, how are there so many photos? <laughs> it's incredible. But, um, but this is the thing. I mean, this is again. It's, it's a black and white kind of street type of look, but it's a very different look from from your look, which is a lot more detailed. Um, in in that, but it's it's just it's very striking, um, to see how you put all these things together. There's there's this uh, this one shot, and I, I can see it actually behind you, which is just because you, you you can just see the the leg. Oh, that yes, that one, yeah, exactly. Um, these are like these little moments, you know, where you have shape and you've got some sort of movement coming in. They're just like they're perfect little shots for me, right? Because it's like the stripe, the stripe of the sea, the of the pedestrian walk, and then you know, and then exactly. the, I think the nice thing is when often I go home, there's something else, hmm. like th there's something else you didn't see. Yeah, which is always the the interesting thing about street photography that 
that your eye, like there's so many things you kind of see, but then when you pull it up on your screen, just like sometimes how it's totally horrible, hmm. sometimes it's like, oh, I didn't even see this. Like he's holding a, a, a dollar bill or there's some detail that you just at that second didn't see or split second. Hmm. Do you, when you edit your photos, do you edit um, for the print? Like, do you have printing in mind when you're doing the edits? No, if I print, I go back in and read it. Like sometimes I need to tweak the, the print. I mean, I know the look of it. And what I do so is often, and a lot of people that, that buy my prints are word of mouth and in my neighborhood. I have actually these little cards where I have all my photos printed on. And I give them the card so they can kind of see, but they can also feel the paper. They can also, they also understand that what they see on the screen is not exactly what you're getting on a print. Like I try to minimize disappointment <laughs> yeah. because it's hard because the, 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 the contrasty photos, it takes a lot of tweaking to get them to look like something you see on a screen because yeah. you don't have the backlit screen. The exactly. white paper is not as wonderful. Hmm. But so I tend to give them so they can touch it, they can feel it, they can see it, and they can relate to it, and they know what they're getting. Hmm. Yeah, printing. I mean, printing is one of those things. I think um, nowadays, where especially with a lot of young photographers, printing is always is almost like a forgotten art to that to that extent. And um, and I know this. I mean, even even between Nick and myself, you know, we on a professional level, we it's don't hard. we don't actually print very much at all uh, because that's just you know because you don't print headshots anymore, basically, these days. True. For the most part. True. Um, but printing is hard. It's, very it's a whole other world yeah. to, 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 to work on. So it's like when you just get your photos and you, you have a good, you know, you feel like you're, you have a good shot. Mm. Now you have to print it. It's a very different. <laughs> do, you, do you print at home or do you send, send them out to be done? So I do both. I print up to like, I'm comfortable. It's a 13 by 19 shot. If I print it, when it gets bigger, I usually send it out and I mm. work with a printer where he does like test strips and just to make sure, or, mm. I mean, I have actually one of my dual logs is, is going out as a big print and I will see the first time really big. Mm. So I'm actually very excited and scared. <laughs> That'll be very scary. <laughs> What was it? What was it like seeing your prints, um, seeing your images printed and like hanging up at your first exhibition? It's it's kind of surreal because they live on your hard drive, mm. and they live in your in on your. I mean, Instagram isn't really a great reflection of what what they look like. I mean, there's partially there's, I think there's a sense of disappointment always because they're not always as punchy and crisp as they're on the screen. But then there is something when you actually see them in, in a show with, with other people to kind of step up and seeing it. Do you, do you find once you've seen um, shots that you've done printed that you over time tweak how you edit them naturally so that you've got, you've got less to redo if you want to print that particular photo, if that, if that makes sense? I mean, that would be really amazing if I would be doing it like this. But I'm a little chaotic in terms of my editing. Anyway, I mean, I don't think anybody, I mean, I'm one of these people, because again, I think I'm self-taught in Lightroom and Photoshop. 
So the way I edit works for me. But if you would look at that, I don't know how good you're in your Photoshop, you'd be like, like, what is she doing? It just works for me how it is. It's sometimes hard to go back in and recreate the insanity mm-hmm. that, that, that I have created. <laughs> we, we were saying this the other day, that there are a thousand ways to do one thing in, in yeah. Photoshop. They're all right ways. And it's just whatever works for your, your, your workflow and what you feel comfortable yeah. I mean, with. It works for me, but yeah. truly people, it's like, what? But my end product is, I get to where I think it should be. But then the printing is hard because you need to tweak certain things and in a print to kind of go back into that insanity and, 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 and tweak it is hard. So I wish I would be more organized and I wish I would think that once it gets printed, this is the next step. That's hard. I'm not there yet. What is? I tell you what. What really fascinates me um, about printing. I mean, just the printing process. That's that's one thing. You know, getting it to look good and making sure it's on the right paper. And there's a lot of expertise that goes into that. But then there's also the mounting and the framing part to it because the, an awesome image in the wrong mount, mounted the wrong way, and you know, and in the in the wrong frame, that can ruin everything. You know, right from. And people have different tastes. Sure. Like I always see my photos very classic with the white mat and the black frame. But then I've seen people that I always ask them to send me a photo of how they framed it and how it looks on their wall. And I'm like, okay, I've never imagined it would be like this. Yeah. But it's different. And I mean, I guess everybody is entitled to their own way of, of seeing the product at the end. Yeah. It's it's one of those beautiful things about photographs because I'm I'm just looking you know at the at the background behind you and seeing your prints um, on the dog attack. <laughs> Hang on, slight interruption. It, it makes me want to print more photos. Um, I very often, personally, and I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of listeners will feel the same. I sort of forget that there is a life. There's life in a photograph after it's been edited and it's finished on the screen. You know, it's usually the last step, 99 times out of 100, the last step in my editing process is to just simply transferring the, the, the photo from my computer to my phone. <laughs> and, right. And that's why it ends. And, you know, I was only this morning, I was looking, I was looking actually for a particular shot and I was scrolling through and I, and I was thinking like, wow, since I've made that photo, there's probably 500 other photos on my phone that I've totally forgotten about. And this is, you know, this is the thing about you know, taking that step of actually printing your work and, uh, you know, and putting it on the wall is that it stays in your consciousness all the time. You know, and you don't like a, a photo on my, on my phone is, I probably forget about that with, within days. And also in your own editing process, it's really hard to edit your own photos. But if you actually even do a cheap little print and put it up, you know, you walk by and you're like, oh, like after a while, it's like, oh, yeah, I like this one. Or I actually don't like this one. And then I'm very particular with papers and how it feels and how the texture should be. So I will sometimes print on three different papers and just kind of keep it up and see how in different lights it will look like. Mm-hmm. But this is kind of the weird fine art, you know, printing and, and when you sell a print as that. It, it, you're selling the end product. Yeah. And that's hard. 
that was, I think, the hardest part. I don't think the, the shooting and the editing, I mean, it's all hard. But the, the printing and, and giving up that this is your final product. There's no more editing. There's no more. It, it, this is it. The commitment to the print. Yeah. I guess I have commitment phobia. But the commitment to this print, that this is how you're going to give this to a client. I think it's a really hard last step, at least for me. And it's also quite, it's quite vital, isn't it? Because that will then be the, the yeah. lasting product that somebody looks at every day, you know, on the wall. And, right. And then you want them to be happy. Hmm. Like the whole time, I think before, it's kind of about what you want. It's kind of a selfish, like, this is how I want to edit it. This Once they purchase it, now it's like, you want them to be happy with it. And it's a very, it's, it's, it's like this other step that, I think as photographers, we don't think about that that much. I mean, you could say, oh, I don't care. You know, they're buying it from me and this is what it is. But I, I care that the people really like the photos that they have. So there's this whole insecurity of once you give that up and once you give it to them, you know, you just hope that they're, they're happy with it. And most of the time they are. So how important do you think social media is um, for photography, or especially like, for your uh, street photography? How much of a role does that play? Sadly, it's really important. Hmm. I, I mean, I think most of the exposure and most of my opportunities come from my Instagram account. And it's, I don't think I would have had the, the, the exposure and, and what, what, it's all Instagram. People contacting me and it's a lot of work growing an Instagram account at this point. And, but I say it's part, it's kind of part of your business. How do you approach your, your Instagram account? Um, do you, do you agonize about which, which photo to post next? Or is it, is it more like, are you like, oh, okay, well that's going to be next. And, uh, and then you, no, there's yeah. definitely, it's, it's, it's because I feel it's part of my quiet, it's a very groomed Instagram account, I mm. hope. And it's very, how does it look as a whole if you scroll through? If there's too much white, is there too much black? It's almost a graphic design element to how I will archive photos because I feel like, oh, they don't look good and they're kind of flipping through it. Uh, is it a, is, is it representative or does it represent, represent who I am in, in terms of like first look? You only have a second for people to kind of stay with you. And then in terms of posting, I usually post photographs that are very quick to understand. I've done, I do other photography or I, in my, I think in the duologues, there's a lot more where you have to find your way into the photo, not on Instagram. They're all kind of quick, I get it. So when you, when you compose the, the overall look of the grid as it is, um, Do you, can, you, can you recommend um, like a particular like a particular app or something for for our viewers that that allows you to shift things around? And really shift it once it's posted. Yeah. So there, I wish you could. I mean, and people have different ways of of designing their their page, and everybody mm. thinks they have their own. I mean, I just I will look at. Oh, so I posted a white. I've posted too much steam. I will shift scale. Like, I, 
some people will have the same scale. I will shift scale. You can, you will see if you look, I was like, oh yeah, she has like a detail shot. She has a faraway shot. She has a steam shot. If I have a steam shot, I will not put a lot of steam next to it because people are bored. Like how many, you know, how, how many of the same shots do you want to see? So there's this whole, but I think everybody has to figure out what, what they want to portray themselves as. Do you sometimes go back and like, you know, when we scroll back, um, I did say to, you know, shots that you posted like a year ago or something, you'd be like, well, that just doesn't fit in. I'm just going to get rid of that. Or do you like when, you know, once it's up, it's up and that's, you just leave it. No, I will archive certain shots, Hmm. but I also feel the older shots where I feel like they're just not as I would shoot today. I will leave them because I think it's nice to see that there's been a growth. Hopefully there has been a growth, like how I, or even a change, like how do I shoot differently from when I started four years ago, whenever I started my Instagram account. And they're very different. Like the first couple of shots are these portraits, street portraits, but I kept them because it's, it's, I think it's, it's important for people to see that they're, there, you evolve and you change and how your, your, your page moves with you or grows with you, hopefully. I, I always find it very fascinating um, how, you know, how Instagram accounts or grids like yours are put together and how much, how much thought goes into it. Um, because, I, you know, I personally, I'll post a shot. When I, you know, when I come up with a cool photo, I'll post it. <laughs> And then it, the next thing might be totally unrelated to it. And it might be like four months from now, <laughs> you know, it's like, that's so, um, you know, I, it's, it's something I have, I've played with the thought of being more methodical um, with my Instagram account, but I just haven't, I just haven't got my head around um, how to do that. It just, I think it just becomes part of your work. Like where, I mean, you have 24 hours, you have a life, you have children, you have a dog. Where do you want to put your, you know, where is it of value to put your time in? There's only so much you can do. So part, I think a lot of part of mine is kind of grooming this Instagram where I have seen it works well for me. And I've had a fair amount of exposure through my Instagram account. And that's of course, I think that's, that's very important to, to remember for, you know, for anybody listening really, is that social media platforms can provide you with a lot of uh, opportunities if you if you use them in a particular way or, or in the right way because you know social media at the heart of it is ultimately social or it's meant to be social so meaning you know it gives us an opportunity to connect with other human beings because at the end of that other computer despite the algorithms and everything else that everybody keeps talking about there's still going to be another pair of human eyes looking at your photos and that's the person the want to connect with, whether that's, you know, whether that's a viewer, you know, or an audience, or whether that's, you know, uh, somebody who might potentially afford you other opportunities in some way. I think you're right. And also, I think you have to think about who do you want your work to see? Hmm. Like, I'm thinking, okay, um, is there a gallery or is there a photographer? Like, where do I want my work to be seen and noticed? So then I will try to follow that person and, you know, pray that one or two of them will follow me back Mm. so that you make these connections very strategically. It was like, you think like, so your headshots, how, who do you want it to see? Like who, who, who is your audience and who do you want to, where do you want to grow to? 
So I will look for galleries all over the world where I think, well, you know, my, maybe my work will fit into that. And if one of these people will see it and follow me back, and maybe they don't, hmm. that'd be wonderful. And so I think very strategically who I, who should, or I will go um, to a photographer that I admire and I will look who, who are they following? You know, it's like, are there people? So I kind of look through their counter. There might be a museum, there might be whatever it is. It might be a magazine, it might be a publication, it might be a zine, it might be whatever it is. There, there might be a lot of people watching this at the moment who have never really gone out and done street photography before. Um, it might not be their thing, but having hopefully now having listened listened to you talk today that actually want to go out and start doing some have you got any sort of quick tips to give those guys for their first time going out and shooting shooting on the street take a very simple camera um go out the first step is really going out and just taking your first couple of shots kind of feeling safe in in your environment and seeing that people respond positively smile smile a lot smile at people, connect with them, and just keep doing it. Go to places, think about the light. I think that's important because, it, and also don't be discouraged mm -hmm. because you will come home and in your head, I think I think photography in general, which I always think is, is kind of the hardest thing, is like there is a photo in your head that you see when you take a photo. But then when you see these photos, that's not what they are because you have to translate your vision into the lens, into your camera settings to kind of simulate what your vision is. And I think that translation is really hard. You know, it's like, why do so many people, you go on vacation, you take a photo and you get, it's not the sunset because the camera can't see the cop, you know, there's limitations. So I don't know, you know, for a beginner, but just don't be disappointed. It, it takes time, but you will get there if you love it and if you stay with it. And it's worth, you know, as, as you're going through those photos that you've taken that day and, you know, perhaps none of them work out and that's okay. But look at them and think, why did I take that shot in the first place? And try and understand, well, what could I do differently if I was taking that shot again? What would make this now work better? Is it simply composition? Is it lighting? Have I just not quite got the right settings? Who knows, right? And, and then I think find, find mentors, teachers, take a class. I think without the teachers and mentors and my friends, it's a lot faster to grow if you have people you trust. And don't have too many people, have one or two people that you really trust. And show them your work and then you will see that there is a progression and they will help you grow. Yeah. I think it's really important. I think you cannot work on your own in a vacuum saying, oh, my work is great. God, I couldn't agree with that anymore. I think you really, 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 really need feedback. And you know what? Feedback is harsh. <laughs> yeah. You've got to have broad shoulders to take it on. But you, you, have, you have to have thick skin to, to kind of move through this because there will be a lot of people that will tell you the honest, blunt truth, and it's not what we want to hear most of the time. And it hurts because it's your work. It, it does. And it's, you know, it, when, when you're asking for feedback, just know that you're asking for feedback and don't be shocked if they say something that you don't quite want to hear. If, you know, if I don't, I don't want to get feedback from someone that's, uh, oh yeah, that's brilliant. That's why I don't show no. stuff to my family and whatnot. 
Que je... <rire> We're married for that. I have a husband for that. <rire> ouais, exactly. No, you know, 100%. Want... I, I, think, I think finding a mentor and a teacher that you trust is key. I mean, I think it's almost as important as going out and shooting a lot and taking their feedback. You know, don't defend your work. Just listen, kind of absorb what they said, and then you make the decision. But don't, like, argue about what they said. I mean, I always see that, that people defend their work. Just listen, especially if you start out. I think, you know, when you're later, but even, you know what, listen. Be a good listener and, and, and then kind of take it in and, and take that information and try to shoot better the next time. Improve on what you've done, actually. Not better, but just improve on what you've done the day before. And it might be that some of the feedback that you get, you just may not completely comprehend just yet. It might not be for another year, yeah. or yeah. two or five, where you really go, oh, do you know what? Penny's dropped. I know exactly what you yeah. mean by that feedback now. Yeah. Because you've got some more experience and you've gone through different situations. Yeah. There's so much going on always. But yeah, it, I, I think over time you will see that it pays off. Just stick with it. That's probably the best piece of advice is just, you know, you just have to, it's basically, you know, shoot, revise, shoot again. It's, you just have to keep doing it. And um, I think that's, that's probably, you know, you have no choice other than to get better at it if you keep practicing it. You know, that's... And if you don't, right, otherwise it, it, you don't improve, which is fine too. Not everybody wants it, but I think, yeah, just go out and shoot. Go out and shoot and then learn from just and compare yourself to the day before. Like if you go out the next day and, and your shot is just a little better, that's huge success. And also always, you know, look look back over how the day went and you know and, and figure out what the take homes are from for instance, you know, when we when we went to when we spent a day at Brighton, I think, you know, on the way home, there there were many things, or even in the editing later on, there were many things we thought like, oh okay, I've learned not to do that. Yeah. Or I've learned that this camera setting really didn't work. You know, F2.8 did not work. In no, this, it's know, really in hard. This, you know, for instance, um, and then your father shows very good. Like, ah, F8 was the perfect focal length uh, for this sort of situation. Um, I think that's what street photographers like. That's kind of your, the F8, um, I think an ISO 400. Yeah. Um, and don't go lower than, you know, 500. And so, you know, I, I played around. I remember like playing around with different uh, camera settings. And um, I said sort of, I remember I was playing around with the, the Fuji has uh, different presets you can use for auto ISO. So you can set limits to it depending on what kind of, yeah. what kind of situation you're in. So I tried that and then I realized that that's, uh, that worked sometimes, but it didn't work in other situations. Um, and so it's, but it's all, you know, you basically... You look back on your day and you kind of go, right, this one worked, this worked, this didn't work. I need to find a different solution for that. And so the next time you go out, you take all of these experiences and hopefully, you know, you become a better photographer. And if you care enough about it and if you really enjoy what you're doing, I think you just keep going out. Yeah. Just keep keep going. Just keep going. And that's <laughs> that's the, the moral of... <laughs> today's episode is just keep shooting um, now for those of you who uh have who are listening to the audio version of this episode um you know make sure that you head over to to youtube when you get a second um 
where you can not only hear our sultry voices, but also see our beautiful faces in pure Technicolor, of course. And whilst you're there, why don't you just hit the subscribe button, ring the bell sort of thing, and uh, that will be absolutely fantastic. And finally, just be reminded that you can join the Camera Shake community on our website, camerashake.com. Um, that would be super awesome if you did that, because then you would get to see even more of us. Even more of us. So, uh, Nina, it was fantastic to have you on the show. It was Thank you uh, so much for having me. Absolute education. And, you know, the challenge is on, by the way. Yes. <laughs> I can't wait. So that would be, be great. That would be fantastic. Now, also, for all of you out there, you know, no matter where you're listening from, you know, get in touch. If you have uh, done some street photography before, you know, please um, send us some images, um, tag us on Instagram. Or you can use the hashtag Camera Shake Podcast. It would be super, super interesting to see what you're up to, uh, what kind of photography you're into, and and also hear from you. Just uh, send us a message. Let us know where you're at. Um, we're always interested to see what people are when they are when they're listening to us. So, that being said, Nina, thank you again so much for coming. Thank on the show. you. And uh, we'll be back next week in episode fifty. <laughs> <laughs>